Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Guess what? Today, we're not going up the down staircase. We're not going in the outdoor. Don't have to try to make sense out of this senseless. And I'm not going to dig for the obvious buried in the absurd. Because it's Christmas. Let's get to it. A decidedly different open to the Life 2.0 podcast. You know what I'm saying, kids? Christmas Day is right around the corner. Today is Saturday, the 23rd, and uh, in just two days, uh, we celebrate Christmas in all its different forms. And as I was getting ready to do this show this morning, and by the way, thank you for joining me, uh, wherever you're at in the world. I hope all is well with you. No matter what's going on in the headlines, remember, it's all about the lifelines. And I was thinking about a couple things. Number one is when I set these shows up, I have to do some sort of coding and things like that to, to file it uh, on my end. And uh, I put, uh, I think this one I named Life 2.0 Christmas 23. And for some reason, the 23 just stuck in my head. It's like 23. I mean, it's almost 2024. And I went back to 1973 in my mind for some reason. And I thought, that's 50 freaking years ago. That's a half century. This past summer, I had a uh, reunion of the 1973 graduating class at Belding Grammar School. There was about a dozen of us uh, reformed again after so much time. Some of these folks I stay in touch with and others I hadn't seen literally for half a century. So it was pretty interesting. But it was just this stark reality that this year is basically gone in about a week and two days. Uh, my birthday is coming up next week, which is... Uh, you know, the milestone of 65, another thing that's not going to... It's going to take a little time to wrap my brain around that one a little bit. Uh, that's that's coming a few days away. Christmas is right around the corner. And I got up this morning thinking about how lucky and blessed I feel to be alive, quite frankly. I've lost so many friends over the years, especially at this time of year. I think of my mom and dad who are long gone and my grannies and gramps and aunties and uncles and so many people that, that I don't get a chance to have around the table anymore. And there was a time it was very difficult. I mean, it's not just on the level of people who've passed away, but I'm divorced, so my family has changed over the years. Uh, I know friends of mine who have lost parents this year, uh, and this will be the FFT, the first F in time that won't be with them around the table. That's difficult. So pushing all the pomp and circumstance off to the side for a few seconds, you know, I think about how Christmas is a time of coming together, however you celebrate or not. You know, there are people who just don't don't buy in, and that's fine, no pun intended. Uh, it's become somewhat of a peaceful thing for me to just sit for a few days and, and count my blessings. Because once you start counting the blessings, there's no time for the other shit. That's for sure. So I have a couple things in this show. I have some, some of my favorite Christmas music in the show. And I also have a little thing about how Theodore Roosevelt's kids saved Christmas. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, lost count of how many times... Over the years, I've done Christmas shows on the radio. Sometimes it was live. I actually would literally go into WGN and sit in on a Christmas day and, and do a show and you know line up a bunch of stuff and, and, and bits and information and music and things like that. And then like back when I started, uh, I had to do it live. So there was that long loop of being live. And in the middle, I was able to tape shows. But I always found time to work in 
one of my favorite quirky Christmas songs. And this is Blue Christmas, but it's not the Blue Christmas you're used to. This is Blue Christmas sung by Porky Pig. And Denny Brownlee came out with this song. I think it was in the mid to late 60s, maybe a little bit later than in the 70s. I'm not really sure. But Denny Brownlee was a stand-up comedian and a radio guy in Cleveland, I think. And he does a great Porky Pig. And so this became a cult classic. And I never missed the chance to drop the needle on this. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. Oh, it feels so blue. just thinking. A bee, a bee, a bee about you. It'll be decorations of re- re- red on a green a- a Christmas tree. And we, we won't be the same, dear, if you're not here with me, me, me. And when those ever be blue, it's snowflakes, it's dark falling. That's when those ever be blue in the memories, it's a of calling. You'll be doing all right with your Christmas of I don't know what's funnier, Denny Brownlee doing up the up the up the blue Christmas. I used to do a pretty good Porky Pig, but it is way too early in the morning for that. Not enough coffee yet. Uh, I don't know what's funnier, Denny doing his Porky Pig or that lady in the background who's just yucking it up. Uh, it's, it was you know recorded at some lounge somewhere, and uh, it's been like I said a cult classic underground under the radar a little bit for a very very long time. A couple of years ago. Uh, I did a show every day between my studio here in Chicago and Beijing, China. And uh, this was probably in 2021, I think it was, 2021 to 2022 probably, as we're going into 2024. And it was an ambitious effort. I was approached by my good friend Dan Mason about uh, hosting it. There was very few people in the United States that would quite frankly touch it uh, in broadcast. And so I don't think I was the first person, uh, Dan asked, but I was the right person because it fell in line with my sensibilities about reaching out to people. Because when you, when you have conversation with people, intelligent conversation, not yelling at each other, things can change and people can connect. And when you have connections with people, 
it changes the way things are, you know, and I, and I think that that, that concept of bridge building is why I named the show The Bridge. And I had a, a couple, three rotating co-hosts in Beijing, China, Wu Young, who I believe is still on the air there, was who I spent most time with. Uh, she is nationally and you know, recognized for her broadcast excellence, and she's done some amazing things there. She was educated in the UK and uh, speaks better English than I do, I think, sometimes. And over the year that we worked together, I got to know her pretty well from 7,500 miles away. And, her, you know, her parents were in the background talking and didn't speak any Chinese. They didn't, her parents, I don't think, speak, spoke any English. But Hu Young was kind of the interpreter in between. And so when Christmas came around that first year, it was so interesting to talk with them and talk with Hu Young about how they celebrated Christmas. It was not unlike how we celebrate here. And a little bit different, but not not completely. And my other co-host was Bebe. And Bebe has a, a little daughter at the time. Gosh, she got to be getting big now. And it was a similar conversation. So we did a Christmas show from Chicago to China, to Beijing, China. And I was amazed, and I shouldn't have been, but I was, that, you know, the songs they, they picked and that we picked together were the standards. You know, what we do here is what they were doing there. So the reason I even bring this up is because in the days that we live in now, where we have strained relationships with China, um, I have found that the conversations that we had on that show have become more and more important. When people talk, when you talk things out, not in sound bites, not in, like I said, not in the headlines, not in press conferences, not behind closed doors. When you're open with people and you connect with them, there's a great bond that can take place there. And I have not been able to reach either one of the ladies for a while. We do email back and forth, but it goes through a lot of different channels, I'm sure. But I was just sitting here this morning thinking about that Christmas show that we did our first year together and um, how both Hu Young and Bebe's favorite female American singer was Julie Andrews. And I thought that was fantastic. And I think that Julie Andrews is fantastic. So for my friends, a long, it's tomorrow already there. Uh, for, for Bebe and Hu Young, who on the off chance they are able to hear this, uh, Merry Christmas.
have to put Julie Andrews on the list of the soundtrack of My Young Life Christmas that my mom and dad just played the you-know-what out of the records, the vinyl back in the day. Julie Andrews and, uh, of course, Andy Williams, who's the king of Christmas, in my opinion, and all the greats, you know, Bing Crosby, Der Binger, and Frank Sinatra. There's this one song by Johnny Cash. I actually have it, but I'm not going to play it, and I'll tell you why. Uh, my dad's a huge Johnny Cash fan. It was a Johnny Cash Christmas album. And the last song on the album, on the B-side, was something like Ringing the Bells for Jim. And it was the most depressing song I'd ever heard. It's like, you know, uh, the little kid's name's Jim, and he's dying, and the sister's crying, and they're ringing the bells for Jim. And I thought, wait, what? You know, you got Johnny doing all the standards and things, and next thing you know, there's this really sad thing. And um, I'm not going to play that. It just It's seriously, it's one of these weird anchors in my head, like, do not play this song. I have thousands of songs in my vault. Then I got this one marked off here, Ringing the Bells for Jim. No, not going to do it. I mentioned uh, when I opened the show about uh, Theodore Roosevelt's Kids Saving Christmas, and I wrote this a few years ago, came across it a couple days ago. I've been uh, keeping it on the side until this morning's podcast, so let me just share this with you. During Theodore Roosevelt's time as President of the United States, he made a lot of progress in land conservation and the founding of the U.S. National Parks. However, he almost made the mistake of banning Christmas trees from our American tradition. If it were not for the help of his children, our holiday traditions may have turned out very differently today. Teddy Roosevelt and his wife absolutely loved Christmas, but he was concerned about conserving the national parks and forests. He did not want Americans carrying on the tradition of cutting down Christmas trees because he believed that the trees were too precious, and he was right to some degree. He told his children that they were going to set a good example for the rest of the country by refusing to have a tree in the White House. He ordered the United States Forest Service to contact newspapers around the country to discourage Americans from cutting down Christmas trees. Back then, 
Christmas tree lots were starting to become popular, but most people still just went out to the woods and cut down their own trees and then burned them or left them by the side of the road when they were done. In 1901, the Roosevelt kids moved into the White House and they were able to enjoy a Christmas tree at their cousin's house, even though they did not have one in their new home. However, the next year, their father had announced that they would not have that Christmas tree because it was far too wasteful. So in 1902, Archie Roosevelt's birthday fell near Christmas and all he really wanted was a tree to which he could open gifts under. Archie went out on the White House lawn (laughs) and cut down a Christmas tree off the White House lawn. They smuggled the tree into the White House and propped it up inside of a small sewing room. The White House handyman helped the boys add lights to the tree and their auntie uh, helped find decorations. And on Christmas morning, After everyone was gathered to open their presents, Archie surprised the Roosevelt family, and his father especially, by opening the door to reveal the beautiful Christmas tree. Now, there are several versions of the story as to what happened next. Some say that President Roosevelt was touched by eight-year-old Archie's ingenuity and Christmas spirit, and it was, after all, near his birthday, so he let it slide. Others say he tried to lecture his kids about the importance of forest conservation. I'm going with the second one. But despite all the heart-melting cuteness of his son putting up a Christmas tree, President Roosevelt still needed to clear his conscience since it was pretty hypocritical to denounce Christmas trees and yet allow his kids to have them. So he called upon one of his fellow conservationists, Gifford Pinchot, from the U.S. Forest Service, and he asked his opinion on the situation since he knew far more about forestry and how much of an impact cutting down trees actually had on the environment. Pinshaw said that if people cut down the tallest and oldest trees for their homes, it actually helps the small trees grow. And at that time, a lot of people would cut down a two or three foot tree because they were easier to carry out the woods. At that time, a lot of people would just cut down a two or three foot Christmas tree, a little small one, because they were easier to carry out of the woods. This advice is why a six foot tree became the standard size instead. When you go out and buy trees now, Unless you want to go for one of those 8 or 12 footers or 10 footers, 6 foot is the standard size. Once he learned of the news, Roosevelt retracted his decision to cancel Christmas trees and changed his tune to encourage people to cut a large tree so long as it's done responsibly. The National Christmas Tree now stands in front of the White House every year as it has a public lighting ceremony. None of it may have happened if it were not for the Roosevelt kids trying to save the tradition of Christmas trees forever. Those are the kind of stories that just, I love that stuff. The backsides, you never hear that anywhere else. I dug that up years ago. I wrote about it a few years ago. I came across it. I thought I would share it here. This is um, a good friend of mine who I often play his music. And at this time of year, uh, his voice is singular in my head uh, for so many different reasons. It's friendship and support and his presence and his vocal ability, all those type of things. Uh, just resonate with me almost more than they do any other time of the year. And it's one of my very favorite songs uh, that uh, John Denver ever recorded. A long time ago in Bethlehem So the Holy Bible says Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ Was born 
on Christmas Day. Shepherds watched their flocks by night. They saw a bright new shining star and heard a choir from heaven sing. The music came from afar. Hark now, hear the angels sing, new king born today, and man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. years ago I was at a Christmas concert a few years ago 1993 long time ago anyway I was at a Christmas concert John did in Boston or Baston depends how you want to say it and uh he did that song acapella without the background music that you heard here and I just I don't know what to do with that it's there's something about his vocal ability his timbre and tone that that brings things alive I was talking with Simpsy Nichols uh yesterday she was my producer on the bridge and uh, finding her way in the world with a lot of talent and gifts that she has. And we were talking about that. Her dad, Roger Nichols, was uh, John's engineer and producer on a couple of his albums and she remarked about his voice and bringing that forward. So, you know, it's just one of those things that sticks. The human voice is the organ of the soul. And I am so enamored with different voices and how people sound. I, I, when I go to the post office, this is how much it's in my head, I listen to how people talk because I've been doing this so long. And like a fingerprint that is unique to us, our voices 
are unique to us. And some are really, really fantastic and others are kind of like, you know, needs a little work. But when I go into the post office to take books out for the Randy Hundley book, especially getting shipped out, which thank you so much. What a, what a ride that's been since September. To, to These books have been going out all over the country for Christmas autographed. It's been a great thing. And we expect to do more of that uh, next year with Randy. But uh, there's this young lady there. And when she says, may I help you? I'm like, you need to be doing voiceover work. <laughs> She's that good. Wrap this show up is another John of mine. Uh, I'll get to him in just a second. But w- when I was a kid, I went to, as I mentioned, Belden Grammar School. And I went to the Christmas pageant one day. There was a kid a few years older than me named Jimmy Burnett. And I have this image in my mind of being at the Christmas pageant, the Christmas concert, in the little Belding School auditorium up in the upper deck with my parents at night. You know, for me, I don't know how it is for you when you went to school, but you know, to go back into the school after hours, it was like a different place. You're there all day, and then you're going back to this concert, and the stage has got the green and red lights on it, man, and it was all decked out. It was just very, very cool. Jimmy's had to be at least four years old than I was, I would guess, three, four years older. And at one point during the Christmas concert, the pageant, he was on his knees singing Oh Holy Night a cappella. I had... Tears streaming down my face as a kid. It's starting already. It's such a beautiful song. And Jimmy's voice was incredible. I've never forgotten that. And years later, I finally tracked down Jim Burnett uh, and, and just thanked him. He had basically almost no right. He remembers singing it, but really, it really moved you. It was something about him kneeling and the lights on him, those red and green lights, and the crowd there, and it's Christmas, and all the pieces of that. And he just nailed it for me. So, Oh Holy Night has become my favorite over the years of all this Christmas songs. The message itself gives me goosebumps, and um, so many people have recorded it and done a great job. Female version to me, Martina McBride, best there ever was. She hits high notes that nobody could even put on a piece of paper. But I got to give my other John, John Barry the Nod, for his version of Oh Holy Night, even though there's been some greats. There's something about JB's voice that gets this right for me. So I'm going to let John Barry take us out on this Christmas edition of the Life 2.0 podcast. Thank you so much for spending time with me every Saturday morning. You know, this has been a calling of mine for a very, very long time. Most times I do this, I feel like I'm somewhat shouting into the abyss. I have no idea where people listening, what circumstances they're in or not in you know, what's going on in their lives or not. I mean, I have no clue to any of that. My only job here is to take the edge off the erosion of life, at only, if only for the length of a podcast, to remind you and myself that life is worth living and that the two most important days are the day you showed up and the day you figure out why. And that doesn't have an expiration date. It could be tomorrow and you could be 75. And go, this is what I'm supposed to do. I get it. So that's really what this is all about. When it really comes down to it, that's what it's all about. And however I get there each time is always a little bit different. The route's different. But in the end, that's what it's about. And Christmas is so much about that, about giving and, and, and realizing how precious it is just to take another breath sometimes. So I wish all of you a very, very Merry Christmas. I'll be back uh, next Saturday. When, we, when we're together again, I'll be 65 years old. <laughs> we'll see how all that turns out. But anyway, Merry Christmas to you. Safe travels. Keep the faith. And we'll let John Barry take it from here.
are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the souls felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices for to be
Christ was born.